Hello, and my name is Pete Rushmer, and I'm your host today of A Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success, or you're already smashing it, but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS, and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. The red light's rolling and I'm joined today by Natalie Goodson and her business is Robert J. Goodson Limited and they're insurance brokers that specialise particularly in the transport and fleet sector. Uh, they do do a range of other businesses too um, and uh, we've actually just been having a, having a meeting to discuss our insurance at Flagship. We've recently moved premises as a lot of people are seeing on our socials and we need to make sure that we've got the right coverage in place for all the new equipment that we've bought and the furniture and those kinds of things. I probably shouldn't say too much because it advertises to thieves, but hopefully there's not too many, uh, <laughs> hopefully there's not too many thieving uh, people. You're listening. well protected. It's fine. <laughs> Brilliant. So um, yeah, I'm in safe hands. So Natalie, if it's okay, uh, I know it's like that sort of cringe thing from when we first met at like BNI. So yeah, interestingly, Natalie and my relationship goes back a little way over the last few years. We met at BNI, which is a networking group in Peterborough, and uh, we talked all things transport. I think uh, I asked to speak to, I can't remember who I asked to speak to, but it was one of your clients, and you were like, I know them. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and then we just sort of hit it off from there. But we've, um, yeah, we've uh, exhibited at Truckfest for the last few years and, and sort of uh, shared a stand. Hopefully Truckfest aren't listening to that. Um, <laughs> but if they are, it's tough. <laughs> I'll get us into trouble, sorry. Um, but yeah, no, we uh, we sort of uh, uh, do do what we can to support each other. So it's fantastic to have you on the podcast because I have been, I have been chasing you for a little while, actually, you to have. be fair. And it's you been have. hard to pin you down. So just for the benefit of the listeners, you're able to just tell them a bit more about the sort of stuff you do, where you're based, what, what the team are up to and, and, and the type of businesses you work with, please. Yeah, sure. Well, firstly, thank you for the invitation. Very kind of you. Um, and, and and yeah, so as you said, we've, we've been sort of uh, keeping in touch for a few years uh, since my BNI uh, days. Um, and uh, we're a local independent insurance brokerage in Peterborough, um, specialising in transport, uh, and travel pretty much nationwide um, to, to look after our customers. Um, we've been going 54 years this month, um, which is quite an accolade. Happy anniversary. Thank you so much. Uh, champagne next week. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> uh, and a big slice of cake, obviously. Of um, so, um, so, yeah, so travel nationwide. Uh, and our, our principal concern is always to make sure we offer good independent advice. Um, and and that's that's where our operation has sort of grown and grown year on year. Um, so um, so yeah, we're we're always happy to engage at any level, um, be it from uh, from an owner operator uh, through to fleets, and obviously those uh, uh, transport managers and what have you that that fall in between. So yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I think it's important to note actually that. Certainly where people will go to listen to the podcast and, and, and pick up on their relationship with me will be in the, a lot of the transport manager forums on Facebook and that kind of thing. And uh, Natalie actually sits in the back of the Fleet Geeks uh, forum and uh, she's there to help and advise. And um, what I would say is a lot of the people listening will deal with smaller and newer operators. And when they're looking to uh, get the right advice, uh, what I would suggest is Natalie's really worth a chat because... 
totally impartial we'll give you the right advice that you need and, and more than happy to have a conversation without um you know whether whether um uh, you know there's there's any business to be done or not there's always good quality support and advice which you're going to find that during this podcast so we've got a few questions for natalie around how operators can reduce their insurance premiums that's like a really important uh, thing at the moment particularly with costs rising everywhere else with uh, with employment costs with uh, the cost of fuel and those kinds of things and then we're going to talk a bit about best practice one of my favorites what does that look like and sort of the biggest mistakes that we see operators make so uh, just to kick things off natalie how can operators reduce their insurance premiums big question it is it's like the the golden ticket isn't it yeah um so there's a number of things that people can do to reduce their their insurance premiums but um essentially insurers will always rate uh, a risk um based on claims costs so if you are running one vehicle or 20 vehicles or 100 vehicles uh the insurer will always look at claims costs so essentially, um, it boils back down to you know, risk management within the business. Uh, so the, the business needs to look at ensuring that they've got a good quality driver, uh, make sure they've got a, a good CPC provider that can focus on any areas that could prove to be a problem within the business to try and rule out those uh, regularly occurring uh, issues. Um, and uh, then as a consequence, then hopefully the claims costs are reduced and in turn the insurance premiums are reduced. Um, it's not only claims cost, it's also frequency that insurers look at. So if you're running 10 vehicles, but you're having 40 claims a year, it doesn't matter whether it's a 500 pound wing mirror or not, you're high admin for an insurer. Uh, and, and then that becomes a, a problem. So uh, insurers will just walk away because they don't want to necessarily be looking at dealing with those high claims entities. Um, that said, um, you know, you can look to um, not just reduce the risk within your business. You can put certain things uh, in place. So obviously we've got the driver training, uh, we've got driver uh, assessments. Um, so a lot of insurers will like to see that um, businesses uh, are taking on board someone to do regular assessments, not just at induction stage, but actually as an ongoing thing. So if you were to try and carry out claims um, investigations following a loss, you might then decide that then that it's an appropriate time to go and sit with somebody, assess his, his driver trait or assess his driving ability uh, and just make sure that you're happy for him to be behind the wheel because ultimately uh, the vehicle's got your name on it uh, and uh, he's representing your business. So you've got to make sure that your, you know, your brand is, is protected as far as possible. Brilliant, brilliant. I think um, there, there's quite a lot. Uh, there's quite a lot to think about when it comes to insurance and that kind of thing. So, as a um, as as a broker, would do operators tend to call you rather than straight to the insurer, and then you start to handle that claim process with them? Personally, that's how we we function as a business. So, um, when you go to majority of brokers, that's what you're paying us for. Otherwise, you may as well go to direct line sorry for the free advertising there um but you know if you go to a broker it's because you you trust them with your your business to give you best advice and ultimately to look after you uh, and the claim isn't just uh, a claim for your own assets that so damage to your own vehicle or uh you know injury to an employee um it's also third party um mm -hmm. that you have to look at and if all of a sudden someone's 
you know, uh, uh, created a fictitious uh, invoice uh, where they're claiming for a car that wasn't even the car in the accident. You need someone to fight your corner. Um, so uh, we would always, uh, you know, request someone to submit the first notification of loss to ourselves. Uh, and then we would obviously look to work with insurer to get the best possible outcome to reduce costs uh, and reduce delay as well. Because delays can obviously bring about additional costs, which, you know, we can well do without. Yeah. So one, one of the things we were talking about was actually how drawn out the process can sometimes be mm. so just to give people an idea if they've not really sort of understood what the claim process is from start to finish like can they be a matter of weeks or sometimes are they a matter of years like you yeah. know what, what, what does yeah. it look like so so ideally we want a claim to get, to be settled as quickly as possible so if you're lucky enough to have windscreen cover um very few are incidentally so don't take that as a that you're missing out on something um, but, you know, if you have got a windscreen, yeah, sure, you'll go to an approved repairer uh, and it'll be put in, you'll pay your excess and your VAT and it'll be done in a matter of days or, or, or weeks. But the majority of claims, especially, well, if, if there's no injury, you could hope to be settled within about eight weeks as a reasonable time frame. Um, some a lot sooner, but things, especially when in, in transport at the moment, parts are a problem mm-hmm. for most of the leading manufacturers. Um, so the lead time, uh, and they all seem to be super busy. Again, I think we've got this problem for not just recruiting into the transport, but also into the, the motor trade sector. Yeah. So I think they are struggling for mechanics or qualified mechanics. Um, so all these things bring about delay, which is, again, a cost to the business. Um, but, you know, if, if there is an injury to a third party, then these things can go on for literally years Um, so and quite often you know those injury claims they've fallen out of your claims experience before they're even settled Mm. Um, so your claims experience is only really relevant to an insurer for three years and after three years if you know if it was reserved at 50,000 and settles at half a million quid it's irrelevant because it's fallen out of your three-year history um so uh so yeah it 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 does become uh you know something to to be mindful of that you could have a bad year this year but the next two years are actually can make up for it it's not suddenly uh you know written off but equally anything that remains outstanding for two or three years is going to stay with you for that time got you Got you. Sounds sounds like quite a complex thing, really, and it's uh, it's important. Uh, maybe I'm just picking myself up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest; you baffled my brain. So, um, but I think I think largely speaking, it's uh, obviously you, you, with with insurance. I guess the way I've always looked at it is. You never really know how good it is until you need it. It's exactly. <laughs> and, you, and that, you never know how good your policy is until you've had yeah, a claim. And, and that's where the, like, the trust's really important, isn't it? To be Agreed. able to build trust with somebody because you can just buy. You know, it's not like, you know, I can go into a shop and I can buy a pair of Nike trainers that are 150 quid or I can buy a pair of uh, Primark trainers for like £10 and you can see the quality Which difference. Which ones are you wearing? <laughs> uh, somewhere in between <laughs> okay. today, somewhere in between. Okay. They're, 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 you know, JD Sport special, they're nice. Uh, yeah, I've got a nice pair of white Adidas uh, kicks today that are quite shiny. Um but yeah, uh, I think it's one of those, isn't it? You you can kind of see the equality and the difference straight away. But with an insurance policy, 
you, you kind of got no idea until after the horse was bolted. Exactly. You pay your premium, and as you say, it's a bit of a, a roulette. You just mm-hmm. hope that you've got it right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so advice is, is, is the, the most important thing, really. Okay, cool. So I know I've asked about how, how to operate is it reduce the insurance premiums. How much of a different question? So the other question I'd written, and I don't know how similar the answer is going to be. When it comes to insurance, what does best practice look like? Okay. So it, it is. It, it does sort of go over some of the... Uh, highlights on how you you reduce your premiums but it all comes back to risk management so um, so best practice will obviously be to uh, if it's affordable within your business strategy and structure uh, to ensure that you have got regular driver training to make sure that you're actually um, encouraging your drivers um, to be the best they can be so a lot of the time it's actually to pay them bonuses which in some 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 customers find it uh, kind of ironic that you're paying them to be a best driver when you're already paying them a serious salary. Um, but these little incentives just keep them motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that like a non-damage bonus absolutely. type thing? Absolutely. Yeah? And you can, you can tie it into other things. So, um, you know, hours to make, you know, if they're not late. Um, mm-hmm. And so you might tie in three or four different um, good behaviours mm-hmm. uh, into a weekly benefit pot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for every week they work before Christmas, you give them an extra £5 or £10 a week for those weeks that, that they've ticked all those boxes. Nice. Um, if they suddenly have a bump, mm-hmm. or they're late in, or they've done something that falls against that structure, um, then the the slate's wiped clean, mm-hmm. um, so they don't lose out on the bonus before Christmas. But then you can start rebuilding it again. So if they have a bump in June, they can still potentially earn six months bonus to buy the missus a or yeah, husband, whatever, nice, um, nice. A, a Christmas present. So these little things can really help mm. um, just keep drivers motivated and engaged. Um, so uh, with that, obviously, cameras. Cameras mm. is a massive thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of operators automatically assume that they'll get discounts off their yeah. insurance for, for having cameras. Those days have gone. Okay. Uh, when it was new technology you know, 12, 15 years ago, then there were some financial incentives to actually have them fitted. Um, But actually, the risk is very much reversed, where insurers are saying it will pay you, it will be beneficial to you to have good good cameras installed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it becomes your financial commitment to your business. And then as a consequence, hopefully, you'll have reduced claims costs, and then insurers will reward you with the, the reduced premiums. Hi, it's Pete from Flagship Partners. We're really proud to sponsor a Half Dozen Things podcast. At Flagship Partners, we take road safety really seriously and we're your road safety partnership. We help transport companies with compliance and training across their businesses, including first aid, driver CPC and other transport management services. So if your fours accredited or you want to improve your operator compliance risk score, give Flagship Partners a call today. And uh, my next question is a bit of a cheeky one. What, what's the biggest mistakes you've seen operators make? <laughs> uh, okay, well, obviously only in insurance perspective. Um, <laughs> I can't divulge anything uh, anything else. Pleading the Fifth Amendment on that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, probably one of the biggest mistakes um, is uh, at renewal. So certainly big fleet operators, not so much uh, you know single vehicle, you know two three vehicle stuff, which is written on a no claims bonus basis but when it comes down to a fleet where you've got a claims experience do not go getting multiple alternative insurance brokers involved 
um, become it becomes a Dutch auction and actually you'll find that some insurers that would have quoted on your business will just step away um, so I would only I would say always obviously engage with your holding broker um, assuming you're happy to <laughs> uh, if not then get a letter of appointment out to uh, to someone else um, but basically engage with your existing broker and put one other on one other broker will give you the best chance to find an alternative if you're really really push and put two on it then two other max but ultimately holding broker and one other broker will give you the the best possible outcome I, I've, I've been asked to go and quote on risks where I'm, I think, the fifth or sixth broker looking at it. Well, what what am I going to get to that no one else has possibly found? Yeah, um, and, you know, then you're clearly not working on uh, or working with anyone that you have a massive amount of faith in. And then clearly it then comes back down to cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and insurers want to have long, you know, long-term relationships with their, uh, you know, with the policyholders. They don't want it to be a 12-month okay. And then it's it's lost. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, which kind of links into that, is do not find yourself with three insurers in three years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's not every insurer that looks at that as a negative, but if you're if you're showing that you've got no loyalty, it mm-hmm. can go against you. And if you've then had a bad year of claims, mm-hmm. you could suddenly find that half a dozen, eight or even ten insurers suddenly say. I'm not quoting, it's had a terrible year and it's had three insurers in three years. Yeah. So you just reduce the pool that are, are going to be open. So Makes sense. How, how big is, you know, for fleet operators, how big is the pool of insurance? I imagine that you've got all the household names in there, have you? And then are there a few sort of smaller you know, sort of like uh, tryout insurers, potentially. They're just trying <laughs> yeah. to, you know, disruptors, I suppose. Yeah. It's a bit like the banks, I suppose. You've got the high streets and then there's a few disruptors in it's, place at the minute, yeah? Yeah, it's a good question, actually. So um, so there's probably a dozen main insurers that are, that are on their, on mm-hmm. their game. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few other insurers that obviously come in, but so quite often those new insurers don't always yeah go the distance mm-hmm. uh, they can be in to undercut everyone take that premium income but if they're not turning a profit then it's it's only ever going to be short-lived um, so ultimately I would just say just make sure you work with an insurer that's got a rating a secure a financial security rating mm-hmm. um, with am best or, or similar um, uh, you know that sometimes you have no choice sometimes you you have to go with uh, with an insurer that hasn't got an insurance rating because if you've had a torrid time on claims you've got no option yep. um, but always try and go for uh, go for an insurer that's got a good financial strength so you know you've got the financial support in the event of claims nice so uh, this probably makes me sound like a total dunce and I'll go and sit and put the hat on and sit in the corner <laughs> no you so don't have to financial ratings on insurers yeah. that's uh, that's kind of a new thing on me but okay. I guess I guess what that's telling you is that you're trusting an insurer. Is it that sort of trust that you have in the insurer? So you pay them that premium and it's giving you the trust that they're going to pay out in the case of a claim, right? Exactly that. So they're holding a massive pool of money. Um, so they hold everyone's money in a pool to pay out for those small, hopefully smaller losses. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they've had a good year and it's been profitable, then hopefully your premiums won't be, won't have to go up as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the security is, is literally a case of saying if they've got A-rated strength, you know that they're profitable you know that they're strong and they will hopefully be around tomorrow Um, if they haven't got a security rating then it's questionable as to no one no one's actually been in and audited their books 
to know that they're financially strong. So you could find that you suddenly get an email at nine o'clock in the morning and say, really sorry, but your insurer has gone bust. Mm -hmm. Uh, And with it, the premium you paid. uh, So then you find yourself, that premium's gone and you've got to go looking for a new 12-month policy. So without one, they could be any Tom, Dick or Harry, potentially. Pretty much. There, there, There aren't... There aren't too many of those about, I'll be honest with you. But if you're going to buy a policy, just if it's got a got a brand on it that you don't know, that you don't recognise, just look or ask the question and see who actually is the insurer that sits behind the product. Okay. Um, and that just gives you that certainty and that reassurance that your money is going to be safe. Yeah, no, that's really good. I'll give you an opportunity to drink your coffee. I'm going to share a little story <laughs> a minute. Okay. Um, I'm not sure I've shared this with you before, Natalie, but I had a... When I worked for uh, Volvo... I had a customer, and I, I won't share obviously who it is, but they had an do I absolute. Know them? Uh, I think you you may do. Okay, you okay, may okay. do. Okay. They had an absolute horror story, where they um, they'd got a Volvo that was on contract hire, and um, so they're paying monthly. So a contract hire, they're paying monthly for the like contract hire of the vehicle, yeah, but also yeah. the maintenance as well. And um, that vehicle had been driven by a agency mm-hmm. uh, driver and the agency they had a relationship with but there's a criteria that the driver needed to be 25 and of, yeah, all, yeah all that sort of stuff yeah mm-hmm. and the agency have changed the driver last minute without notifying the operator at the weekend I see it regularly and then the agency driver has gone out and driven that vehicle and smashed it up pretty bad up yeah. to the point of it needing to be written off yeah. and the insurance company have just gone the no. driver yeah the driver was uninsured and so that vehicle was being paid for on a monthly basis and the maintenance for it it wasn't going anywhere uh, literally Tied for like cost. yeah two years something like that and the, the operator were fortunate in that they were big enough to be able to stomach that because once an operator gets to a certain point mm. you know that vehicle if they've got 25, 30 vehicles and, and I know there's not many operators particularly with current overheads on fuel and in employment costs and stuff like that but they managed to sort of weather that but you can't have many many like that you know and, and particularly for a smaller business that could be cat catastrophic absolutely and it, and it happens frequently and this again it, it's it's kind of a best practice thing if you can avoid using agency drivers then do mm-hmm. um, agency drivers statistically will have more claims so in, it's one of those questions that a lot of insurers will want to know um, but it's not an uncommon uh, scenario um, also sometimes agency drivers might send you a driver um, who has more than six points on his license uh, and then that also becomes a referral criteria. Um, so there's lots of potential, you know, hiccups uh, through going uh, going through agencies for, for recruitment. Mm. So I would always say try and make sure you've got a solid, uh, solid crew and try and rely on agency as a, an emergency holiday sickness Back, cover. Backfill for holiday absolutely. and sickness, yeah, absolutely. Um, but have the relationships again, like you've got the broker for the insurance. You need the bro- you need the agency agreement as well. You need to have a good agency that you work with and have an agreement with. You, you need to have that trust. The, the one, I mean, you said that that claim didn't get paid. Um, I've had some similar situations where they have been paid. Not mm-hmm. all. <laughs> again, it depends on the insurer. Um, but I think it's 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 absolutely paramount if you are going to use um, agency drivers that you do make sure you can evidence to the insurer that you gave them strict instructions to comply 
with the age of 25, the two years license requirement on whichever classification of vehicle they're in, and also the points. Because again, not every insurer has the same points requirement. Some might be three over three points, some might be over six, some might be over 10. But it's important that you make sure the agency doesn't send you anyone that conflicts with your insurance requirements otherwise it's a real real risk oh, that's, 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 so that's really good advice for those listening so to make sure that you've got clearly documented uh, communications with that agency and if they then didn't comply with that request the likelihood of a payout is greater potentially uh, absolutely because the insurer can can obviously see that you've done everything you possibly can within your power to make sure that you were complicit with those yeah with those endorsements on the policy um, so again, it, it very much depends on the insurer. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I have been able to demonstrate the, inst- the strict instructions to the agency, we have been able to get an insurer to agree it because it was very much out of their hands. And th- the same goes when you check your own driver's uh, licenses, be it every three months or six months. Um, and keep, make sure you keep a record of it because then if you suddenly find a driver's acquired six points and not told you since you last checked, you can at least demonstrate that when you last checked, the driver was under the, the referral criteria. And you know, two weeks, three weeks later, you can then see that that's when the points went on. But again, you're more likely to get insurers on side. Mm-hmm. You can say, when we last checked, this was the position. Perfect. Perfect. Great advice. Thank you. Um, I think just finally, just to put a point on the fact that a lot of the listeners um, will be transport managers and many of those will be external transport managers, consultants. Uh, When we think about our own professional services insurance, uh, you know, we've just been through the process ourselves. Mm. What, What are the things that those professionals who offer services to transport operators, what do they need to think about with insuring themselves? Okay, yeah. Um, So the most important thing will be um, professional indemnity or professional negligence cover. Mm -hmm. Um, You are essentially charging uh, your uh, operator a fee for the advice you're giving. Mm -hmm. So he needs, your customer needs to know that if you're giving bad advice or wrong advice for whatever reason, he's got some financial recompense should it be necessary. Um, the limit you uh, you go for really depends on the size of the business that you're looking after. So just make sure that the limit you carry, be it quarter of a million, half a million, two million pounds worth of cover, is really representative of the size of the business that you're looking after. So if you're looking after businesses that are turning over 10 million quid, then probably a 250,000 pound compensation pot is not going to be sufficient. Um, but if you are looking after the smaller one-man bans, two and three vehicle risks, then you might find that that sort of limit is completely appropriate for the risk uh, involved. Um, And then the other thing is public liability. Make sure you've got public liability cover. You're working on third-party premises. So if you cause any damage or injury to anyone whilst you're on their site, you've got that cover and protection there. Um, And then in addition to that, again, it comes whether there's any employees um, but yeah, transport managers, they, the, the professional side is probably the key uh, to make sure that they've got that personal protection uh, over the advice they're, they're giving. Perfect. 
Well, thank you very much. That's been a whistle-stop tour. We've done we've done well on timing there. I, I know. Think. I thought we'd be talking for about three and a half minutes. So. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, well, there you go. Got 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 plenty of great advice for for us, um, Natalie. Just finally to finish off, it's your opportunity to tell listeners if they wanted to come and um, engage with you around uh, getting some advice. What's the best place to find you? Is it LinkedIn or uh, giving you a call on the company? website or yeah number. i'm available on most mediums i think most people are these days so uh, it's whatever works for the for the individual uh, I, by all means uh, add me on linkedin or uh, phone phone me at the office or email me whatever i i, I can use use all uh, all outlets or inlets there you go so uh, that's natalie goodson from robert j goodson limited who are insurance brokers based in peterborough uh, thank you very much natalie and Thanks, I, I hope people have found that insightful um and uh, yeah hopefully there's some really good advice there about getting the right right advice for your insurance and to make sure that you're properly protected uh, thank you very much for listening and uh, i hope you enjoyed it thank you bye-bye I really hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe and listen out for future episodes too. Please do share it across your social media channels. We hope to reach more and help more people. If you want to find out more about me, my name's Pete Rushmer. You'll find me across any social media channel and my business, Flagship Partners. And we're your partners in success across your business. Thank you. See you again soon.